If you'd like to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we'll be reading from here momentarily. Just a few of the words that we considered last week from the scriptures. Good place again to just bring our thoughts as we begin this morning. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith, Galatians Chapter 6 and verse 10. To do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We realize there's just needs all around us, and uh, there are going to be times when we really have an opportunity to meet those needs. And it's good to meet them wherever they might be, and especially good when we can meet them among our own family, among uh, the family of God. And we realize, as we again thought last week, that Our Savior paid such a price to redeem us, such a price to redeem us to himself, for himself, that he might have a people that are zealous for good works. Like That is the appropriate attitude for the Christian, to mature to a place where I am eager. I am eager to accomplish the good works that are laid out before me to do. I am eager to uh, just meet those opportunities that are presented to me and help with the needs of others around me. And again, especially in the household of faith. And we looked at, uh, uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 6 and chapter 2, and we saw that in chapter 6, there was a need that rose up among the people of God, and uh, it was a specific need. Once again, I'll remind you as we think about needs this morning, just to think very broadly, uh, think about all the kinds of possible needs that might be among God's people. And... uh, Yet there was this one specific need, and as they looked to meet that need, they, there were certain, certain qualifications, if you will, that were desirable in those who would be set forth to meet that need. And the one that we concentrated on was that they were looking for those who were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what they wanted. There was a need. They wanted to meet the need. And they said, let's find men who are full of the Holy Spirit. And then we found in Acts chapter 2 that... Uh, you know, that privilege is not just for a few. It's not just, uh, you know, one portion of the assembly that is to desire that and uh, to have that be true about, but it's to be true for every believer. Every believer has the Holy Spirit, and every believer has the wonderful potential uh, as they yield to God to be full of the Holy Spirit. And so as there are needs all around us, just all kinds of different needs, coming from all different people among uh, God's family, we, we do well to take heed to, to what we see there in Acts, that to go forth and meet those needs, it would be very appropriate that I be full of the Holy Spirit, me personally. Not just that I have the presence of the Holy Spirit, but that he has this, this, control, uh, this controlling influence over me. And that more and more as life goes on, it characterizes my life. Yes, it's sweet when there are moments when uh, the Holy Spirit takes control and there's some purpose that needs to uh, be fulfilled immediately. And uh, being a child of God, I am available to him, uh, to be used by him on a moment's notice as he, uh, I guess I'm, I'm going uh, 
the availability uh, in a positional sense, you know, like I am in Christ, I belong to him, so I can be used by him, even when I'm not necessarily seeking to be. And uh, that's a blessing, really. It's a blessing for us. It's a blessing for those to whom we minister to, that God can use us. But we don't really want that merely, although it's a privilege to be used uh, at different points in time. But what we really ought to desire is that more and more uh, we mature in our faith, we become uh, strong, healthy Christians who, whose lives are characterized by being under the control of the Spirit of God. And the one verse that helped give some insight on what it means to be full of the Spirit of God is that verse that compares it and contrasts it with being filled with wine. And uh, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And as wine fills a person, it, it, it takes control of that person and has a controlling influence over them, leading to certain types of behavior. Uh, and in contrast to that kind of behavior, but like uh, in comparison to that control aspect, the one whom the Spirit of God fills, that is the one the Spirit of God has control over and influence that uh, benefits anyone around them. And so we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit, each of us, individually, all of us. And what a sweet thought to think that as that early church was all together in one place, they were all together in one place, all of them gathered and all of them, each of them, were full of the Holy Spirit. That place was rocking, you know. There's sometimes in the book of Acts where the whole building is shaking because of it, uh, as they're full of the Holy Spirit. There's power there. How well we serve others, particularly our brothers and sisters, and meet their needs when our lives are characterized by being under the control of the Holy Spirit. And I'll say it again, whether we realize it or not, we desperately need each other, we, we, every single one. Every single believer in this assembly is needed. There are needs that God intends to meet through you. It's so personal. Brothers and sisters, every one of us, uh, we have to feel the weight of that importance. I have to understand that that's a truth. I could look at the passages of scriptures that speak of the body of Christ and each part is necessary and important. And scriptures just, just put that to us, that every part must do its share and there are needs that God intends to meet through me. And how well he does that when I am full of the Holy Spirit. And I hope we can each personally feel the weight of responsibility in that. And that our brothers and sisters, they need us. And we need them, every one of us. And what we looked at last time was the first of two benefits. We're going to look at the second one this morning. The first of two benefits, when I am full of the Holy Spirit under his dominating influence, and I go forth to meet the needs of my brothers and sisters, the one benefit that comes from that is I go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what we want, you know? We really want to go forth and meet the needs around us in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we really get things done when, uh, when such is the case, when the power of the Holy Spirit is present. The one this morning that we want to look at is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So as each individual believer is dominated by the controlling influence of the Spirit of God who is within them, they enjoy the benefit of going forth to do whatever they do, particularly to meet needs around them. They go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit, but they also go forth in this fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
as they are filled with him. So we want to think about that a little bit. And particularly, we want to think about it in regard to meeting needs around us. This might be an interesting way to go about uh, presenting this here in Matthew chapter 6, but I hope you'll, uh, I hope you'll see what we're doing here and uh, enjoy it. Matthew chapter 6, and look at verse 6. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. He says, But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. What a great father we have, uh, that even before we make a request, he already knows. He already knows what, what we need. Um, he knows our needs so very well, so thoroughly, so completely. He knows the things that we have need of even before we ask. But look at this scene here. You have uh, a child of God going in private. No one sees. No one hears. It's into a room and the door is shut and a conversation is taking place between this child of God and their father. First off, I hope you know this personally. I hope each of us knows that place. It's such a sweet place, isn't it? It's such a pleasure to spend time with our Father in heaven in private, speaking with him, pouring out our heart before him. I mean, nobody understands us like him. You know, sometimes we wish that we could communicate what's happening in our lives and the depths of our emotions perhaps to those around us and it always seems to just can't quite, we're not quite able to do that in a satisfactory way. But with our Father, I mean, you can just go there and just pour yourself out and you just should know that He knows you and He loves you and uh, it's a sweet place to just spend time with the Father in private speaking to Him of needs perhaps that no one else knows about. No one else knows. So let's take a sister and kind of put her into this situation. Let's say there's a sister here and she's got needs. And and there are certain ones that no one else seems to know about. But the father knows about the needs that she has because she speaks to him about those needs. And it's in private. No one else can hear. The door is shut. It's in a room. And no one else knows the needs. But she's speaking to her father about those needs. And he knows. And he's the only one that knows. Perhaps he's the only one that knows. So how valuable then, how valuable then for the individual believer, and not that sister, I'm not speaking of that sister now, how valuable for an individual believer, her brothers and her sisters, how important is it for her? these others to be in close fellowship with the Father? How valuable to be in an intimate, sweet fellowship with God, the one who hears these requests being made. The Father who knows the needs of his children even without them asking. And the more intimate that one's fellowship with him is, the more in tune that one will be with the needs of his brother or his sister who is praying like here in secret. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to hear necessarily an audible voice that says, uh, um, you know, uh, so-and-so needs their garbage disposal fix. <laughs> uh, I mean, so we're not going to hear 
perhaps anything like that, but as the individual believer enjoys a very close and abiding relationship, drawing near to God and speaking to God, the only one who knows some of these things that are taking place behind the doors, needs of brothers and sisters that are being poured out before him, how very important then to have fellowship with the Father, the one who knows these needs that are unnamed. We truly know, don't we, that we have fellowship with the Father? I mean, hopefully we know that. Last week, um, I had to backtrack a little bit just to say, we do know that the Spirit of God dwells in us, right? Uh, So sometimes we have to backtrack to some very fundamental things before we speak of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe we needed to just spend a little time seeing clearly, well, yes, he even dwells in me, and he needs to dwell in me if he's going to fill me then. And here maybe taking a step back as well and say we do know, right, that we have fellowship with the Father. We read in 1 John, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship. I can enjoy communion with God. This is what fellowship means. I can enjoy communion with God. I can enjoy an intimate friendship with him, knowing him and being known by him. I can enjoy a sharing in the same things with him, partnering even with him to the same end. Fellowship. Do you think that it is too much to believe that the closer I walk in fellowship with God, the more I'm going to know his heart? Does it seem too uh, mystical of a thing uh, that the closer the, the child of God communes with God, the more in tune that child of God is going to be to the needs around them, even those that aren't named? I don't think so. I have a story that I think illustrates this in the most beautiful way. Would you go to 2 Samuel chapter 23? David is running for his life from Saul, who is chasing him all over the countryside. And there are times when David seems like he's in a pit hiding or he's in a cave hiding in a stronghold somewhere, trying to spare his life from the hatred and the intentions of Saul. And uh, if we look at verse 14, it says, David was then in a stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem is uh, just a little side note, right? We know what the city of David is. The city of David is uh, Jerusalem. That would be right, Zion. But uh, the city of David is also Bethlehem because that's where he was born. And so once you know that uh, Bethlehem is where he was born, it's called the city of David, you understand what, why he says what he says next. He says, And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. This is quite a uh, thing to long for because the Philistines are there. They're camped out there. Their army is settled in his hometown. But he just breathes out this request, this longing of his heart. He just says, oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well at Bethlehem. So verse 16. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, 
and took it and brought it to David. Wow. Here these men were with him, and they loved David. They loved David. They wanted to be with David, and uh, they were close to him. There was many in Israel who were not close enough to hear the desire of David's heart, but these men, they were close enough to David. They were with him, and they loved him, and they heard him speak this desire of his heart, and it wasn't a command. It wasn't like it was disobedience if they didn't accomplish this for him. It was just an expression of his heart, but they were close enough to hear it, and they loved him enough, and they said, let's do this thing that he desires. Let's do this thing. And so they broke through the camp of the Philistines. They were mighty men. I'm sure it wasn't too much trouble for them. Uh, they, they did great feats. But they had such a love for David. And they were close enough to hear the request of his heart. And so it stirred them up. And they had a desire to fulfill that. Des- that, that they had a desire to fill, fulfill his desire. Would it not be the same with the believer? Drawing near to God, not again necessarily that we're going to hear some kind of audible voice, but that uh, as we draw near to the heart of the Father and the expressions that, that uh, would sound forth from the heart of his desires, desires to meet the needs of the sister who's praying in private and no one knows what she's saying, and somehow to be sensitive when gathered together to what those needs might be. And so what would the heart of the Father say What requests have been made to him in secret by some dear brother or sister, which as I walk in sweet and intimate fellowship with him, he might reveal to me? It's pretty cool when needs are met, even met by you, and you had no idea. (laughs) You had no idea that there was even a need, but you met it. Who knew that? The Father. (laughs) The father knew it. In fact, he even knew it even if the request wasn't made. Even before it was made, he knew the needs that were there. And you know, I, I, I desire this. I want this. I want this kind of fellowship with God to draw nearer and nearer to him, to know his heart, and to find myself more and more sensitive and aware somehow to the needs of God's people around me. That just sounds like a wonderful thing, wonderful position to be in as I commune with God more and more intimately as life goes on, to think that he knows. He knows right here this morning. The Father knows all the needs that are here. He knows. And not only the Father, but the Son. Our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. And the Son, as we considered last Sunday, nourishes and cherishes us and looks to accomplish this for the assembly by means of the assembly. So what does he desire today? What does he desire to do? What is, how is he looking to express through you and me that which will result in the nourishing and cherishing of our brethren? What needs is he looking to meet through me? Oh, that we would crave this fellowship, this fellowship, even for our own sake, yes. I mean, there's nothing like intimate fellowship with God, communing with Him and sharing with Him and speaking with Him, enjoying friendship with Him for our own sake. (laughs) I think that that's the, there's a little phrase, I pray this so often for people, I'm sure I've prayed it for many here because uh, it's one of my favorite things to pray about, especially for those who are younger in the faith, is that uh, we would know the hope of uh, of His calling. 
His calling in particular is to enjoy fellowship with Him and with the Son. We are invited as believers to enjoy Him, to draw near to Him, to spend time with Him and to fall in love with Him. And what a hope that is to know Him. And if I know the hope of His invitation, the hope of His invitation to draw near to Him and to know Him, uh, that will propel me (laughs) to do that very thing, to seek Him and to find Him and to rejoice in all the treasure that's there in Christ. So I desire this for myself. I crave this fellowship, yes, for my own benefit, but even then for the benefit of others. That my fellowship with God would be rich and sweet to your benefit. To your benefit. That somehow, somehow, being able to be more sensitive and aware to the needs that might be around me, even needs that I'm unaware of, simply because the Father knows and I'm enjoying time with Him and with His Son. And this fellowship with the Father and with the Son could well be called, as I mentioned before, as the second of our two benefits. The first one is as I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I enjoy the power of the Holy Spirit in going forth to meet the needs around me. But here's the second one. As I am full of the Holy Spirit, I enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's a good title for what, it, what we're speaking of, fellowship with the Father and with the Son. I enjoy that. It's called the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's a neat uh, little um, insight for us in 1 Corinthians there, right? Where Paul speaks, uh, no man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him. So as I stand up here to one degree, depending on how much time I've spent with certain ones of you here, you might know me uh, to a certain degree and some others to a less degree. But uh, you know who really knows me? My spirit knows me. (laughs) No man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man who is in him. And my spirit really knows me very well, (laughs) Um, better than anyone besides God, that is. Now, if there was some way for me to take my spirit and put my spirit into you, And then my spirit could communicate with your spirit and show you what kind of man I really am. Uh, (laughs) It probably wouldn't be a very good thing. Oftentimes, I'm sure. I feel like, okay, TMI, that's it. uh, This is too much. Uh, I've had enough. I think I know Scott as well as I would like to. You wouldn't perhaps be looking at it as such a wonderful frontier to explore (laughs) as it would be with God. But... That's the kind of idea there. My spirit knows me. If you had my spirit, my spirit communicate to your spirit and tell you what kind of man I really am because my spirit knows what kind of man I am. But we can't do that. I can't give you my spirit. You can't know me like that. But God has a spirit. And it is the spirit of God that knows God. No man knows the things of God except the spirit of God. And he has given us his spirit. And so now his spirit within me can show me what God is really like in a way that I could never, ever know otherwise. I mean, the, the passage there in Corinthians even speaks about the Spirit of God searching out the deep things of God. I mean, if, if the scientific community and explorers are just set ablaze with wonder and just awe as they explore the depths of space or the microscopic world and all the depths that are there and all the things that are coming up and being discovered... That's just the creation. What about the creator? It's not the one who built the house of greater honor than the house. 
Oh, the depths of God and the Spirit of God can take us and show us what He is like. And He has given us His Spirit, and His Spirit can communicate with our spirit and show us what God is really like. And this is how I have fellowship with the Father. This is how I have fellowship with the Son, is by means of His Spirit. What a privilege. And so again, the importance of being under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit. It matters. It really matters. Personally, it matters my relationship with the Spirit of God. And again, as I said last week, it matters to you. It matters to you as I go forth to meet the needs, whatever my part is in the assembly of God. It matters that I go forth filled with the Holy Spirit, going forth in His power, going forth in His fellowship. It really matters. And it matters to you. So I hope we can see that personal responsibility. The benefit not only to me, that that this be true about me, but the benefit that comes to those around me. That I might myself enjoy the power of the Holy Spirit that I might myself enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and all the blessings that come to me personally from that, but also the blessings that would flow from me from that. And at some point in the Christian's life, we must come to understand this and how grateful and how blessed the rest of the assembly is as each one individually understands this and desires this and faithfully pursues this. It may take some time, you know, sometimes God's program is a little uh, longer than our own. <laughs> and there's a, a process of maturity that we grow and uh, we put away all overflow of wickedness and we begin to develop disciplines. And more and more as we yield to the Spirit of God in our life and he has more and more control over us, the greater blessing that's going to flow from us and even to us. So we'll take some time. We have to be patient and persevere. But I just want to say this in case there's somebody who's not really all that, uh, maybe not all that stirred up for this. Maybe, uh, maybe somehow I'm missing the mark in an explanation, or so maybe that would be my fault. But or maybe it's just uh, there's someone here and you don't feel the weight of that, you don't feel the responsibility of that personally, and how your brothers and sisters need you. And they need the care that's going to come through you in a very unique way. That God intends to meet needs through you. And you need to, for your part, be very concerned about your personal relationship with the Spirit of God. And you need to be very stirred up that you might be filled with the Spirit of God. Enjoying that power and that fellowship and meeting the needs of this assembly here. If that doesn't stir you up, if that's not something you desire, let me just say this. That really stinks, you know. That really stinks for the rest of us. Because we need you. No room for false humility here that, you know, I'm not that valuable, I'm not that important, what good can I do? That's, that's not of God. We need you. Every single one. And we need the care that God intends to bring through you. And so if there's someone here and you don't see the importance of this and the responsibility that you have in this, again, I just say that really stings for the rest of us because uh, we need you. 
desperately every part is needed. So I hope you'll have a change of mind. (laughs) If there's anyone here like that, I hope you'll have a change of mind and heart about this. Maybe spend some time just seeking the Lord about it and uh, talking to him to help understand this more or what direction to go in to start with. But don't, please don't, don't misunderstand that uh, you are desperately needed by your brothers and sisters here. And I love being able to do this next part. I love being able to uh, show the Savior now and show uh, how he's such an example for us to look at always. He's always good to be able to present uh, to the saints, to be able to look at him, because none can exemplify the truth of these things better than the Savior himself. Think about him for a moment. How he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the power of the Spirit, what did he do? He went forth to meet the needs of the children of Israel. Full of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit present, he went forth to meet the needs of the children of Israel. And not only in the power of the Holy Spirit, right, but in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, in constant, perfect, ceaseless fellowship with his Father. He went forth. What an example. It's, uh, it's beautiful to just look at him and see this. Yes, he went forth. There were needs all in Israel, not to say that they responded very well and were thankful or that it personally benefited them to the intention that God had in mind. But nevertheless, for his part, everything that God the Father gave him to do, he did it. And he went out perfectly and accomplished all of those things and met their need, especially by laying down his life for them. But he went forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. He went forth in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, in constant communion with the Father, and how perfectly, for his part, he met the needs of God's people. What an example for you and for me. He even said this in John chapter 5. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. And whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. Now, I know this is Jesus. He's God. So I know that uh, there's a level to which uh, uh, he enters into these things that um, it's it's something to aspire to. (laughs) Um, But just realizing that He was in constant fellowship with the Father. And what he saw the Father do, that's what he did. The things that the Father said to say, that's what he said. It was nothing of his own. But in constant fellowship, communion with the Father, he went forth and accomplished all those works that the Father had for him to do. And so being filled with the Holy Spirit, therefore having power and fellowship, Jesus went forth perfectly fulfilling all that the Father would have him to do to meet the needs of the people of Israel Again, which would include, most especially, laying down his life for them. I hope we can see this, you know. That it matters to you that I, for my part, whatever my part is to edify you and meet your needs and exhibit a care for you, it matters that I be filled with the Holy Spirit. That matters to you and and vice versa.
I have one more point to make. Um, but before I conclude with that, just, uh, just a moment uh, again, as we thought last week on how this is done practically. If there's anyone here, again, who's desiring this, you want this. How do you go about doing it? And again, I bring us back to that point that we must yield to him. We must yield to the Spirit of God. If I desire to be under his controlling influence as a way of life, I have to yield to him. Whatever issue it is that's before us, I named some, some specifics last week. I won't do that again, but uh, there's things that the Spirit of God is impressing upon us. I need to yield to him in those matters if I really want to be full of the Spirit of God. Sin will get in the way of his power through me. Sin will get in the way of fellowship. It will get in the way. And unless I'm dealing honestly and humbly and submissively to the Spirit of God's work in, his life, in my life, um, there's going to be a lack. And how does he do this? Most especially by the Word of God. I didn't read this verse last time, but it's so fitting. You know this one in 2 Timothy all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. <laughs> and I'm just, uh, as our theme is these last uh, two Sundays, every good work, particularly among the household of faith. The Word of God has got to be a part of my life if I'm going to be equipped for every good work that he wants me to accomplish among God's people. Well, I want to finish with this because it seems like uh, this is appropriate. If you go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30, I think this is an important piece to just uh, include here at the end. And uh, this was helpful to me in my Christian walk. Uh, so I'll say this, distress among God's people is normal, okay? If you ever find yourself in distress and you're in need, that's pretty much a normal part of the Christian experience, that at times we are going to find ourselves in need, in distress. Um, and Paul would say, you did well that you shared with me in my distress. The need didn't... Uh, the, uh, the, the you know, the provision, the care that came to him uh, didn't come before he was in distress, but after he had found himself in distress. That's a normal part of the Christian experience. And so with David even. Look at uh, chapter 30. Look at verse 1. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. And David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now, David was greatly distressed, as were the rest of the people, right? What a circumstance to find oneself in. A whole, all the families were taken. They were all taken, gone. Everyone's weeping, so tired. They can't even weep anymore. David himself being distressed. But look what happens. It says, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. 
Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. David's like, you know, uh, I got nothing here from you. (laughs) I mean, I'm in the same distress you are. We should be comforting one another, encouraging one another, rallying around one another that we might know what to do about this circumstance. But instead of anything coming from his companions, they turn against him and they're thinking about stoning him. He's got no one. And the care even that he needs, that he should expect to come from his companions, it's not to be found. And he's alone. You probably read ahead a little bit, maybe. (laughs) But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. It seems fitting to... uh, to consider this possibility there might be circumstances that we might find ourselves in as believers where the, the need that we have, it really should be ideally met by the people of God amongst whom we are. But there might be circumstances when it's not met. And in a certain sense, we find ourselves alone. Maybe we're discouraged. Maybe uh, we're uncomforted. Maybe just... Uh, a physical need that can't be met by ourselves, and uh, there's no one there to help. Somehow the need isn't being met through the brothers and sisters at that time. Don't be discouraged, right? It happens. And so it did with David. He had no one to turn to. Well, (laughs) he strengthened himself in the Lord. And that is the beautiful and wonderful opportunity that any child of God has to turn to God and to be strengthened directly by him, that even he himself in a very personal way might meet that need where others have failed. And so if that ever should come upon us, strengthen yourself in the Lord. I had a couple more examples, but uh, we're out of time. Just go to, I'll skip uh, one in Jeremiah chapter 20. You can look at that one yourself. But just go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I got to do this one. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And Paul, I'm sure he related to David. Boy, in this circumstance that he was in, I'm sure he related to David. I'm sure he related to someone else, and that's the verse I'm going to finish with. But uh, I'm sure he related to David. Look at what it says there in uh, verse 16. Paul says, At my first defense, no one stood with me. 2 Timothy 4.16, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. I mean, what a circumstance to find oneself in. Even the beloved brother Paul, you know, and all the ways in which he spent himself and poured out his life for others. And here he was standing alone. There was no one there with him at his defense. They all forsook him. And the care that he needed... <laughs> From his brothers and sisters, which he would have had a right to expect, it wasn't there. It wasn't there. But what does verse 17 say? Maybe you read ahead a little bit. (laughs) But the Lord stood with me. But the Lord stood with me. See, he'll never forsake. (laughs) He'll never forsake us. Others may. And we might very much find ourselves feeling alone in a circumstance 
Maybe that's even someone here this morning and you feel so very alone in a circumstance. The Lord stood with him and strengthened him. And even so that the message might be preached fully through me, he says, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Paul found himself in such a circumstance as this, and we might too. May we not forget that the Lord can stand with us and strengthen us, and we can strengthen ourselves in him and find ourselves able to accomplish whatever it is that's before us to do. And the last verse for our time together, John chapter 16. We can go once again for the best example of all. Yes, David's a good example. Paul's a good example. But to be able to turn our eyes to the Savior, that's always a, a good thing to do. John chapter 16. Heartbreaking words um, in a certain sense, but comforting as well. John chapter 16. And uh, this is on the night that he was betrayed. And verse 32 Jesus says, indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you, speaking to his disciples, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. What an hour. What an hour for the Savior. Oh, how good if his companions had been there to comfort him, to pray with him, to meet for whatever capability they had, the need of the hour, but he would be left alone, alone. And we know even on the cross they would say, let him alone, let him alone. Hmm. But what does he say? You may have read on a little bit. <laughs> and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Oh, brother and sister, if there's anyone even here in that circumstance today and you say, this is great, Scott. You're talking about, uh, you know, everyone's important, everyone's needed, and there's needs that God intends to meet through each one. Well, I got a need and no one's meeting it. (laughs) And no one's meeting it. And I feel very alone. Hmm. You're not alone. You are not alone. (laughs) The Lord is with you. The Father is with you. And uh, in a very personal and beautiful way, he can meet your need, comfort you and encourage you, strengthen you, that you might even find yourself able to accomplish even something great. The Lord, although left alone, went forward and accomplished something great. Our salvation. What an example he is to us. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our Father, we just thank you so much for your promise to be present with us forever. You have cleansed us with the blood of your Son, and it is a cleansing so powerful and so pure and perfect that you can take up your presence within us for all time, forever, for eternity. We will enjoy your presence within us, and you will never leave us nor forsake us. And so you know, Father, I don't know. Maybe no one here knows, but you. You know that if there is someone here who feels very alone, and needs that they have that perhaps they've even made requests to you behind closed doors in their room, and uh, yet still those needs go unmet. You've allowed them to enter into some kind of distress. I just pray for them at this hour that they might know your presence with them, 
And that even if we fall short, for most certainly we do fall short from time to time of serving you as we ought. And if we fall short in meeting the need of this brother or this sister, we pray that they would find that you yourself in a very personal way stand with them and strengthen them and help them meet whatever it is that they have need of. For the rest of us, uh, we just well, for all of us, we just pray, please, that it would settle under our heart the weight of responsibility that each of us has with your spirit. What a privilege that he should be dwelling in us. But we pray that we would also be excited and stirred up to the wonderful opportunity of being under his influence, enjoying the power of the spirit and the fellowship of the spirit, and going forth to do our part to meet the needs in the household of faith. We pray that we could be stirred up even by your spirit this morning to this end. And we just ask these things, Lord Jesus, even for your name's sake. Amen. We're going to go to uh, corporate prayer now. And uh